1: Funding Podcast, where every week I help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. That might be the mission of the nonprofit you're working at, or if you're working with many different nonprofits, if you're a nonprofit consultant or freelance grant writer, the many different missions that you help advance. All right, guys, so we have a great show for you today, as always, and this is with Mandy Pierce from Funding for Good, and you guys are going to love what she's talking about today. All of you nonprofit consultants out there, all you freelance grant writers, and even nonprofits can learn a thing or two, as she is gonna be talking about knowing when to grow your business. So this is really important to consider because a lot of times, you know, we may think, okay, when I reach a certain Budget amount, then I can grow. Or when does something become so overwhelming, I have to grow, or I have to grow and and meaning I have to hire out people, employees, etc. There are different ways to grow a business or a nonprofit than just investing money in it. So we're definitely going to talk about some of the lessons that she's learned from having a business for the last 20 years and to really talk about her experience with that and plus with working with nonprofits for more than 30 years. So definitely a lot to take away today as well as just a final reminder that our super early bird special for the Nonprofit Consulting Conference does end March 31st, 2023. And that is actually a partnership that I am doing with Funding for Good with Mandy Pierce and really excited about it as this is our second year doing a nonprofit consulting conference together. And we have amazing speakers this year, amazing sessions, great networking, two full days online where you can get so much information and networking on your nonprofit consultancy. So if you are even thinking about going, you better grab your ticket now because they are 50% off. Until March 31st. So you're definitely gonna run the grab that ticket. Um, The retail price after June 30 will be $397. So if you grab your ticket by March 31st, it's only $197. So you're saving $200. So do come and join us. It's two full days with amazing sessions, amazing speakers. Check it out at grantwritingandfunding.com and just click on Nonprofit Consulting Conference. You'll definitely be able to find all the goods there. And for all of our show notes, of course, as well today at grantratingandfunding.com forward slash 264. So as mentioned, Mandy Pierce from Funding for Good has definitely been in the nonprofit space for a long time. And she has been for more than two decades working with her team of experts to share their proficiency in fundraising through executive coaching, strategic and development planning, seminars, and specialized consulting programs. She's a woman owned business and she has a lot going on. So in the realm even of our women's history month that we've been doing, I wanted to feature a woman run business who has really made a place in the nonprofit consulting world. So that is Mandy Pierce. And you can definitely find out more about Mandy at grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 264 as well. And if you're wanting to break up with your spreadsheet and never miss a grant deadline again, then I am totally recommending Grant Easy Management Software by Rachel Waterman. So get your grants under control for good. GEMS will help you track your to-do lists, proposals, letters of inquiry, site visits, reports, and so many other deadlines. It will also let you know the status of every grant in your pipeline, the award amounts, grant periods, and more. And it's going to help you communicate as a team to minimize confusion and response times. You can also track your hours, both build and unbuild, in the GEMS software. GEMS is a proud podcast sponsor of the Grant Writing and Funding podcast. And because they love us so much, <laughs> they're also giving you, as a change maker listener, 10% off. And for a limited time, some other bonuses as well. Do check it out at grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash GEMS. That's G-E-M-S. Thank you so much for loving on us, GEMS. We appreciate your support. So back to our podcast for today, we are about to have this discussion about how to know when to grow your nonprofit consultancy and lessons learned along the way from Mandy Pierce from Funding for Good. Hi, Mandy. How are you doing? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. It's so great to have you back on the show. You've been on the show before, so but it's been a while, so it's great to have you back on and we're going to hear about nonprofit consultancy stuff today, so super. I can't wait to hear about it.
0: Yay. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy and excited. And I, I know we get opportunities to collaborate a little bit in this world, so it's always fun to talk about it.
1: Yeah. And speaking of collaborating, we do have our nonprofit consulting conference coming up and that's August 23rd and 24th of 2023. We're really excited about it. This is our second year rolling and just all of the great stuff we got from last year. We're like, we got to do this again. We got so much good feedback and the speakers were amazing. The sessions were great. So it's so great to see all the networking that's still taking place from that conference um, nearly a year ago.
0: Yep, it is. I'm excited to like you said, really, we asked a lot of questions at the conference and after the conference and have tailored this year's conference on how to know when to grow. Mm -hmm. So it's really about capacity building within either your idea of starting your nonprofit consulting company or the one you already have established taking it to the next level. And as you and I both know, we've been in those places, we've been in those shoes, and we're still there and growing. And it's going to be exciting to talk to people and help them get their business to the next level.
1: That's right. It, yeah. And it's, it's wonderful. I love the theme too, because so many people were coming in the door, they established a business, but they're just kind of on that cusp, right? That first one to three years to be like, okay, where's the next move? What do I do next? So, you know, this is a great level at just if you're coming in, not knowing how to grow and just starting, or you've been yeah. for a while. And as we know, businesses continually evolve. So it's always yes. like, where's that next movement? Right. Yes. Yeah. We're, I
0: mean, we've had several growth steps this year that we've had to sit down and say, how do we want to grow? Do we want to grow in what direction? How are we going to put systems in place for these things that are coming up? And it's been great. So it gives me a lot more information to share with other people.
1: I love it. I love it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So know when, know when and how to grow your consultancy business. And I get asked this a lot from a lot of the people in the grant professional mentorship, you know, and, and people just coming in the door to be like, okay, when do I hire my first VA, right? When do I start doing something like on QuickBooks or when do I start, you know, it's just even how do I set up my systems? When is it, when am I ready for my systems? You know, when can I grow a little bit? Maybe it's my staff or maybe it's my software. So there's a lot of questions that go into that because a lot of times there's also a monetary price tag attached to knowing when to grow as well. So sometimes, not always, but sometimes. So can you kind of talk about just to familiarize our audience a little bit with your company? You've been now around for a long time, so you can um, just give us a little history on your consultancy and and some of the steps you're taking this year.
0: Yeah, so when we first started, it was all about grants. You know, that's what we did for a long time. It was everything grant writing, everything research and templates and and um, helping people set up their systems and writing grants for people and learning the federal grants process and, you know, all of that. And over the course of time, we really moved into more foundational development work. So we did everything from fundraising and capital campaigns to then we got more into coaching development teams and training staff and executive searches and helping people find executive directors and development directors. and, And then we got into board development and staff leadership development and then we landed on strategic planning and that's really kind of where we hung up a big part of our hat for the past four years mm-hmm. and it's what we've decided that we really like because it allows us to work with the foundation of everything else the organization needs to do going forward mm-hmm. instead of trying to write grants and wishing they had a strategic plan that was really solid so it was easier to secure the funds or any of the other number of things we used to do. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years ago, as you know, we started really getting questions from consultants or people in the nonprofit world that said, I think I want to go out on my own, or I think I want to have a business, or I think I want to take my expertise and work with other people. And so I found my passion for working with consultants to either start or grow their consulting businesses, because, you know, we took ours from $30,000 a year as a part-time side hustle to half a million in the most recent fiscal year. And we haven't really grown our personal team of workers, right? We've, we've grown our support system and our support team. And we do have a a lot of staff behind the scenes that are doing web development and content creation. And, you know, we, we have accountants and we have all those things, virtual assistants and whatnot, but The actual team is really mostly me and Marie. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a really interesting journey to see where we've gotten to as a company without taking some steps that a lot of people want to take. Like, I don't want to manage people. I don't want to have a big staff. I don't want to have staff. Marie's contractor. I'm an employee. And we're happy with that. Mm-hmm. Some people want to have a whole team and they like collaboration and they want an office environment and they want to feed off other people and they love working on project teams and people thrive on that. Mm-hmm. And so it's always interesting. Everybody comes at it from a very different perspective on the type of business structure they want. Mm-hmm. And so this year, you know, we've done a little bit of exploration into the world of government contracting. And so oh, we'll talk more oh, about oh. that at, at some point in the future. But, you know, it gets us to a different level of um. Capacity as an organization, because you might make more revenue, but you don't have the same amount of time to take on other clients. And so you have to sort of balance where do you want to spend your time and how do you want to bring your revenue in and what makes you happy. And those are some of the capacity building conversations that we've been having this year.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love that you have, you know, and I, I've met a lot of grant writers too. The same thing, like started off writing grants because, you know, maybe they were just maybe it wasn't even their passion, but it was just something they were, they were good at and they they realized they can make a side hustle or a business out of this. And then all, as they progress and take on new clients, they realize you know what, half of y'all don't even need grant writing at this point in time, you actually need other services, so is that kind of where you were, you talked about exploring a lot of different services, is it based on what people came and asked you for, instead of you kind of saying, oh, I think this is what they need, or is it what people were asking me for, so you said, okay, we'll do this for a while and see if we like it is it
0: you know um no i was always a development director marie was always an executive director and a program director so we brought two different hats to the table for all of our clients which was great
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and most of the time we saw that people didn't need grant writers long term they needed a process they might need templates or to understand how to write them effectively but most people didn't really need or couldn't afford a grant writer full time. And we didn't want to be somebody's full time grant writer. Mm-hmm. And what we did identify as the things that really helped support fundraising of any type were the foundational pieces that we're doing now. Because yeah. pretty much consultants always have a job because the nonprofit business structure is train some people and have turnover, train some people again and have some more turnover and train a few more people and have turnover, whether you're talking about the staff or you're talking about the board or you're talking about other volunteers, Mm -hmm. it seems to be the same across the board. Yeah. You have organizations that do have volunteers that stay longer or staff that stay longer or boards that, you know, renew their terms a few more times, but ultimately that process happens over and over and over. And you're always you're always needing to retrain people, to write new strategic plans, to have new onboarding processes, to leadership development constantly happens. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we kind of felt like there was some job security there. And um, we have not found that to be untrue yet.
1: Oh, I love that. And I love that you're looking at it from such a strategic level. Of course, you do strategic planning, you have that strategic brain. So I absolutely love it. And that's one thing I'm always telling nonprofits to do as well as strategic planning and consultants, right? You need to do your strategic planning to really figure out your structure, what you're going to do, what your goals are, all of that. Because if you don't have that, you just kind of go in with like, oh, I can make some money or I could do this thing or I can help my community you know, it's going to be, you're going to suffer. Right. So I love that bird's eye view of where you guys have really settled in and said, you know, Hey, we really love it. And it was part of that too, where you're like, we really love to do this. It's time efficient. It's job secure. Like what, what was some of the deciding real big deciding factors on that?
0: I think for me, Marie's passion is facilitation. So she loves that. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer education and, and presenting in general, which is not facilitation. Um, But, but, you know, there were a couple of reasons. We were excellent at grant writing, Mm -hmm. It's just not the thing I love to do, right? Mm. And so it was like, you can do it and you can get paid for it, but it doesn't bring me much joy. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me happy to see our clients bring in dollars. And that's always wonderful and rewarding. But at the same time, like I did not enjoy just writing grants all the time. And there was a limited capacity to how many clients we could take and how much we could make grant writing. I mean, now, if I wanted to have a bunch of contract grant writers working for me and managing those processes and doing that, yes, we could definitely make more money. But then those people have to follow your process and you have to review their work and you have to manage the relationship with the client. For me, that was not where I wanted to spend my time and my energy. So, and there's always deadlines and it's very stressful. So for, for me anyway. And yeah. for strategic planning, it's a little bit more, we're scheduling the work with the clients, and it's not someone else giving us a, this has to be done by this day. You know, yeah. it's more of a collaboration to see what's your schedule, when does this work for you, yes, we can be there, then that that kind of thing. And we're doing work together, as opposed to someone saying, here's this thing, write it for us. Um so, yeah, I still see a lot of value in grant writing and a lot of people really need that support. So for organizations that do it and do it well, I think it's needed a lot of the time because a lot of people can't afford a full-time grant writer and a lot of development directors don't have the skill. It's a unicorn when you have a development director who's also an excellent grant writer mm-hmm. and a lot of people assume they are one and the same. They are not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think a lot of people need to understand the skill, how to set up their systems And what goes into a great grant. And once they have the understanding of a template, possibly they could do it again. But there's this other thing that's um, called outsourcing that we talk about a lot. It's like, I know how to mow my grass. Right. We have mowers. My husband has a long care business. I know how to do that. But if I wanted to have an extra hour in my week during the summer, I could outsource that. I know how to manage the person doing it to say you're doing a good job or you're not, you trimmed this or you didn't. Mm-hmm. And it would be worth it for me to say, I could do it, but there's these other things like walking my dogs and cooking our dinner that I'd rather be doing. Yeah. And yeah. so it's the same with this kind of thing in the nonprofit world. There's a lot of people out there who know how to do it. And they're like, mm, I'd rather be building relationships with major donors. I'm going to outsource this thing. Right. And I encourage people to do that too. If you have the resources, and do you feel like that's the thing that you can outsource because you know how to do it and you can manage the person doing the work? Knock it out. I think that's yeah. awesome. Build up your capacity as an organization so you can do that.
1: I love that. I, you know, And I really love that you bring back to say, you know, there's part of me. I, I was really great at doing that. But looking at these other elements of like what I really love to do, though, <laughs> you know, versus the, what I'm only really great at. Right. So it's really important yeah. to think about that, because as a consultant, you can create your own world really right your own reality and what brings you joy so if you're sitting there going I'm going to quit my job because I don't love it I'm going to open my own business but then you start doing work that you don't actually like <laughs> it doesn't make any sense right, right. so exactly. and sure you, sometimes you might have to do something you don't like because it brings in money like there's a part of that That's true. But overall, it doesn't have to be the main part of your business. You can, you know, create those, those ways to bring in other funding. And I, you know, I resonate with you on, on the management thing. And that was one thing too, is I started at one point to build up a team of grant writers. And I realized very quickly, I do not like managing people. (laughs) I do not like quality control. I don't like doing all of that. And I was like, you know what, I need to, change the structure of my business. And that's when I started creating more on-demand courses, more uh, mentoring, more coaching, more training and doing the things I really love, right? So definitely there's not a one size fits all when you're trying to figure out how do I grow my business? doesn't necessarily mean you need to hire 20 people on staff and then think about payroll. There are different ways to do that, right? So what are some ways really strategically then that you knew like throughout your business I need to grow. So I need to do this in a way that makes me feel good. Right. As far as like, I don't want to manage a bunch of people, but I want to, how do I actually grow then without hiring a bunch of people?
0: So I think, you know, um, everybody's in a different place when it comes to starting a business. Some people have lots of resources at their disposal. Some people do not need a certain amount of revenue. Some people are doing it in retirement and it's sort of their passion, And then other people are in a place where I have to make at least this much every month and I need to be making more eventually. And those are wildly different places to be in your consulting business growth. And from what I've learned from the people that have been in my boot camp is the people who are in a place where they have to make a certain amount of money, at least Mm
1: -hmm.
0: they typically take the work that comes to them. And do it until they're in a place where they have enough money that they can say, I don't want to do this thing anymore. And now I want to focus on these other things that then they have time to cultivate. They have time to develop. They have time to create a product or a service that they can sell. Most of the time, I don't meet a lot of people are in a place where they have to make a certain amount of money that have the expendable dollars for all the development work. Of my website's great and I've grown a big list and I've taken the time to create all these products and marketing and you know, and they're in a place where they can sell stuff or automatically create passive income or have a hundred people on every webinar they teach, you know. And and it always mystifies me when I talk to people who are like, but I just want to do coaching. Well, I get that, but guess what? Most of us didn't start off coaching. You know, (laughs) you have to have some experience Mm -hmm. to be able to share it with other people. And I have 20 years of experience, actually, 30-something years of experience in development, right? Mm -hmm. And 20-something years charging people for services. So now I'm at a place where it makes sense that I can charge people for coaching and consulting and have boot camps and that type of stuff. And I've told people this before. I could have done this 10 years ago. The lessons I've learned in the past 15 years Mm-hmm. or the reason I'm able to, right? I learned a lot exactly. of stuff the hard way. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. I didn't have the expendable resources and the the, the money just sitting in a bank to be like, yeah, I'm just gonna pay somebody to do that. I had to learn how to do most of the stuff myself. Mm-hmm. And then I could appreciate when someone else is able to do it. And then I also could manage them better and ask more intelligent questions because I knew what the processes were supposed to be. Yeah, so I always encourage people like, yeah, you might be doing stuff you don't want to do forever, But sometimes that's sort of, you know, what do they call it? Like paying your dues? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everybody can't just go from zero to $300 an hour. Right. Yeah. It'd be nice, but that's not real reality because you have no experience to, to share with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so part of it was learning the hard way. And part of it was just meeting people in the field back Mm -hmm. when, when did you start your business?
1: Um, I started in 2014 is when I started my business. So, but I've been in the grant writing field for almost 20 years. So yeah.
0: <laughs> you started even well after me. So it was probably a lot more resources online available to you. Mm-hmm. When I started back in the early 2000s, there weren't a million networking groups. There weren't Facebook pages. There weren't link- LinkedIn. I don't even know if it existed at that point. And And so finding people who did what we do, wow to have support, build friendships, have connections to call and ask questions, it really didn't exist for me. Mm -hmm. And there were business people, but they weren't business people that did what I did. They weren't in the nonprofit world. And so for a lot of us that are my age and older, you know, like I'm 45, for a lot of us in my age group that started our businesses 20 years ago, we learned pulling up our bootstraps because there was another way to do it. And, you know, when you wanted to get an, an educational seminar, you had to pay to go to a conference and yeah. take time off work yeah. and pay for the and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah webinars didn't yeah. really exist then. I don't even remember when webinars came about, but I think I was out of the workforce yeah. before they really became a thing. I, I mean, I was out of the workforce full time. Like I wasn't even working for clients in 2014 when you started your business. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think, I don't I don't remember ever going to a webinar when I was working for somebody else. So, yeah. you know, the, the world today is very different. And I have to keep that in mind when I share with people, because now it is so much easier to find support. It's so mm-hmm. much easier to find people who are peers, who have been where you are. And that's why you and I have so many free webinars and such great free content. So I'm like, I created this. Why would I not share it with people? Yes, there's things to be for, but there's a lot of great free content. Our YouTube channels, your podcast, mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. webinars, Conference isn't free, but let me tell you, if you're getting 10 hours of consulting support that's Mm -hmm. not pitchy, um, it's way less than what we're charging for the conference.
1: And you don't have to physically pay for a ticket and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, that's huge savings that you can do from the convenience of your home. Right. So, yeah. Right. Even even in 2014, the world was different. You know, I think the pandemic really. Created a huge trajectory of people getting online more and more, and I really saw a difference even in twenty between twenty twenty and twenty twenty two, as far as that happening. But yeah, it's interesting to be like, wow, because you know, back in the early two thousands, you'd see like blogs online, Mm -hmm. (laughs) banners for ads, right? Like there was, you said like Facebook was it? When did that even kick off? Like two thousand six, something like that. So yeah, it was. I don't
0: even remember. I don't think I had a Facebook page when it first came out. I mean, I remember MySpace.
1: That's been a minute exactly. ago. Yeah, my state you know? was back then. And that wasn't for like business networking. That was more, that was straight up yeah. social <laughs> media back in the day. Right? Yeah. The social I mean, blog. it
0: was basically BNI networking groups and chambers of commerce and those kinds yeah. of things are the way that people networked back in yeah. the day. Um, So, you know, I mean- I just think it's it's so much more accessible for people to yeah. start and grow a business these days. There's so many incubator programs, mm-hmm. small business centers around the country, small business development centers. There's lots of um, not grants per se, but competitions like um, sort of like Shark Tank around the country. People have them everywhere. Mm-hmm. People can find dollars to help start and grow their business, Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of um, certifications for minority-owned businesses, and I just think that the resources today are magnified, Mm -hmm. and I think if you know the connections to talk to and you're introduced to people, that you can really just do a lot more with your business um, these days a lot quicker.
1: I love that. And yeah, and I mean, the nonprofit consulting conference is a great example, because sure, there's a lot of things out there for entrepreneurs. I would even say consultants. Yes. It's pretty limited, but entrepreneurs yeah. in general, there's a lot. But consultants and specifically nonprofit consultants, people who work with nonprofits, very different ballgame. Nonprofits are different than for-profit businesses, right? And how they yeah. operate. Like you were talking right. about, um, there's a lot of job security there because of the consistent churn with nonprofits that are, is very different than for profits. So it is um, a different type of ecosystem to work within. And there's a lot of um, great benefits and, and there's a lot of great meaning too in the work. But as far as like, okay, so let's get back to this no know when to grow. Right. And as we're kind of going through, like, do you kind of advocate for a certain amount of money in the bank or a certain number of clients or kind of like, what is your thought process of just like, okay, I'm ready to do something else. Am I really ready?
0: Well, I don't advocate for a certain amount of money in the bank because when I first started, I literally had $8,000 in the bank and that's because my brother loaned me $8,000 to start my business because I left my job unexpectedly. Like I knew I was leaving, but I ended up leaving sooner than expected. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think if you are structured and you have a plan and you plant seeds and you have been planting seeds, that if you are diligent, you can be successful in a business. Um, You know, I started out very small and I figured out how much do I have to make every month. And I broke that down to the days. And I said, I have to make $100 a day to pay my bills and do everything I absolutely have to do. No money left over. Just that's what I have to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what I set my sights on. And, you know, it took me a couple of years to get to the point where that wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. But I planted enough seeds. I'm literally still reaping the benefits of people's relationships that I met five, seven years ago. Mm. People will come up to me and be like, I heard you speak at this conference and blah, blah, blah. And my organization would like to book you for whatever. And mm. I'm like, wow, you know? So I think if you're diligent and you do want to do this for a living, there's definitely a path and it doesn't matter how much you have to start with in the bank, as long as you can pay your bills for a couple months as you start to build that. But yeah. you can't, like, in my opinion, and I think everybody's got an opinion,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think it's very hard to just quit your job without a plan in place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, but I
0: want to do it. And I'm like, mm, I've worked my business for two and a half years behind the scenes every night when I got home, every day during my lunch break and every weekend till I got to the point that I had people that I was onboarding as I quit my full-time job that I had people who were wanting to work with me and I had services I could sell. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot, you know, and I, and I always tell people this, I didn't have kids. I wasn't married at the time. I just bought a house for the first time in 2013. So I really didn't even have stuff I had to maintain before that. I mean, yeah, I had a rental house, but it wasn't like I was responsible for stuff.
1: right? Right. And
0: yeah. so that is a wildly different place than a lot of people are in. Yeah. people ask me, how did you do X, Y, or Z? And I encourage them to remember you have kids, mm-hmm. or you have school or you have whatever, and it was why we did I had all the time in the world that I wanted to commit to it. If I wanted to go to bed at one o'clock every day, mm-hmm. I could. Mm-hmm. And, you know yeah, and so mm-hmm. I, I just I, I want people to know I think it's possible but I also want people to know that I don't feel like my situation is everybody's situation. And I don't want people to be like, we're just going to do what she did and we're going to be as successful as she is as quickly. Right.
1: Right. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that because everybody's experiences are completely different, especially when it comes to a business. Like I was a single mom when I started my business, right? So completely different situation, right? And my my risk aversion was probably extremely different than yours, right? But then it yeah. also brings in my personality too. I'm also kind of, you know, I am not really risk averse sometimes. I'm like, let's go for it because it's my my personality. So you gotta, kind of, you know, looking at all of those different things, right? To really uh, understand who you are as a person and how you can roll a business. But I I really believe that having a business is is some sort of security that just isn't offered in a regular JOB, right? Because even if there's a lot of risk to it, it's always something in your back pocket, right? It's always something that as long as you have an idea, you can Make money, right? Like you oh, yeah. can connect. So I really think that, yeah, understanding that and understanding, right, and being aware of where you are in your situation. So I love that. And then having that plan. So definitely figuring out, okay, you know, one thing I really like to do this last year, I was looking at the last couple of years I've been doing this, of course, is tracking all of my time for all of the things I do, all the marketing time, right? And then seeing what brings in the most money year over year compared to how much my time went into it. And then I'm able to make decisions year over year to say what am I going to focus on this year you know with data so I'm thinking about like track your data (laughs) no
0: I agree completely it amazes me the people that I talk to and I ask them they'll say how much do you think I should charge for this thing And I'm like well how much how much time does it take you to do it Mm -hmm. and they literally have no idea yeah and I'm like how do you not know how long it takes you to do something for clients that you're doing on a regular basis well I just never really thought about it Well, can't really figure out a price until you know how much of your time it takes. So, um, you know, we have a whole session we talk about that was part of last year's conference was how do you figure out your pricing? And a big piece of that is knowing how long it takes you to do the stuff you're doing. Um, So. I think it's possible to evaluate what you're doing and figure out not only how long it takes you to do it, but what you like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like Marie and I right now, you were asking me about how how we knew and how we could grow we've been evaluating our strategic planning processes. Mm-hmm. And right now we're streamlining them for the third time mm-hmm. in four years, because we realized there are more efficient ways to do some of the things like scheduling and emails that are going to be consistent across the board that we just have to change like names or a few details or something. Um, we have somebody who's, who's doing all of our con our, um strategic planning template preparation. Mm. So, There's a template, but then we have to go in and like fill in certain things in every template for specific clients. Well, there's an intake form they send us that has all that information. So I'm like, why can't I outsource that? Mm -hmm. So like I have one of my VAs go in and create that every time we have a new client, that's the time I don't have to do it. And Mm -hmm. so we've like spent time just looking at what can we streamline that Marie and I aren't specifically doing that allows us to do more work with the specific clients so we can have more strategic planning clients. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't have needed to do that four years ago because we didn't have enough clients coming in that right. it was like, uh, if we if if we don't have more time, we can't take any more clients. And that's where right. we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, that's been another big conversation. It's like we can streamline it to a point, but there will come a time probably middle of next year where we will say this is our capacity
1: mm-hmm. for
0: serving. strategic. We're already booking clients into 2024 for strategic nice. planning. Nice. And that's a great place to be, but it mm-hmm. also means you either have to go up on your prices yep. because there's a demand for your services, or you just acknowledge this is how many clients we take a year. And one of the things we put into place for our own family sanities was we don't travel off of the East Coast after September 1st. Oh, nice. So if we're going to do any travel for strategic planning anywhere else in the country, it has to happen between January 1st and August 30th. And mm-hmm. all of our clients know that we very well marketed at this point, and so it, it allows us to spend more time with our families during the part of the year we like the most, mm-hmm. and it gives us an assured four months
1: here because mm-hmm. you're on eight and, months. Um, yeah, just yeah. yeah. So, and I think that's so. I love how you've involved like your, you know, your family into that too, and your your life because it's also a part of your business, like it is <laughs> when you're yeah. entrepreneur. But as far as I, what I really love too is. Knowing when to grow, it's like, okay, when things start to get a little bit like, okay, this is starting to grow how do I streamline? So I love that question. How do I automate, right? So all of a sudden, if that could be hiring someone, it could just be creating more efficient systems, right? There's other ways you don't always have to hire, you don't always have to spend money. But when you do those things, what it does is you're basically asking, how do I allow more time? Because having more time then allows you to think about growth, to think about strategic growth. And if you don't have that time to think, you can't really grow, right? So I love yeah. that. The step before even knowing when to grow is, okay, how do we create more time, right? So yeah. I think that's that's a really good point. And also, just want to congratulate you on your business too. I mean, you guys are just thriving and really, you know, being able to just get more and more specific year over year on what you're wanting to do. So I love that so much. <laughs> and <laughs> you're also going to be like, yeah. oh, you got a puppy. Your Mom, <laughs>
0: after five East Coast time, you're not supposed to be at your desk. Hey, handsome
1: boy. I hey, love I it. it so, also, then, you know, you have a couple of sessions that you're teaching. I can't wait at the nonprofit consulting conference, um and we're talking about how to grow an email list. So you're also talking, you know, you're talking about how to grow there as well. So yeah. did you just want to talk about um, that real quick before we close up today?
0: Yeah, I'm very excited. i'm um, I spent an entire year of my business uh, dedicated to growing my email list for a lot of reasons. I was working on um, being able to, make passive income Mm -hmm. that would pay certain bills. Right. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, I had to have a list. And my list was 3,500 for years and years and years. And so in the year that I spent focusing on that only, I put a lot of um, systems in place and I talked with a lot of people and I did a lot of things I'd never done before. And I had some dollars to invest in that. Right. So it was Mm -hmm. year six in my business full time. It wasn't like at the very beginning, And my email list grew to over 30,000 and it really took me to where I wanted to be. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think everybody's like, I want more passive income, of course, Mm -hmm. but it really got me to the place where we regularly had the attendance at webinars we wanted. We were reaching the right audience and we were learning more about the content they wanted. So it allowed us to really hone in on where we were spending our time creatively to mm-hmm. say here's a resource you need, here's a template you need, here's a webinar that that is helpful to you, and and so we're going to talk about what systems and different things need to really be in place to grow that list. And I'm really going to talk from my experiences and how I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm you know I'm not going to pitch any systems because there I didn't really have a system per, per se, but I'm going to tell you what I did and and how it got me there.
1: Mm-hmm. I love I'm that. that. I'm so excited about that too because that's such a great uh list growth uh story, right? And I can't wait to hear more about it and just your strategies because that is a lot of people feel like, okay, as soon as I put a like a free worksheet or a webinar out online, I'm gonna have like oh, thousands of people sign up. And I'm like, oh, it takes work. <laughs> it's like yes. work to oh, that yeah.
0: list. <laughs> I didn't even know what a lead magnet was for so long. I didn't even know that when I did free webinars for people, like I was Teaching for Bloomerang and Candid and Grant Station and Found and all these places for for years, and I did not know that I should have had a lead magnet in all my oh, webinars, god. and I didn't. I was just like, oh, I'd love to partner. Oh, I'm yeah. so excited. <laughs> and I, I like, I was so clueless. And once I learned that was a thing, I would be like, hey, do you mind if I put like a poll in to see if people would like for me to send this thing to them? And they're like, oh yeah, sure. And I'm like, oh my god, I could have gotten there so much quicker. Yeah. But I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know at all. So. Yeah. I learned a lot at last year's conference because I didn't know about podcasting like that you should have a link for people to do with podcasting too and I'm like oh my god there's just so many opportunities that I didn't access so you know I'm perfectly happy to admit that I did learn things the very hard way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, but what amazing stories. So I can't wait to hear it. So if you guys want to also hear that story and get strategies, definitely sign up for the nonprofit consulting conference um, happening in August 23rd and 24th. And that's presented by Founded Technologies. And we also have amazing speakers. We have grant easy management software, Brains and Brawn, essential bookkeeping solutions, and Bloomerang. So we just want to give a shout out to all of you guys that are supporting the work in the nonprofit consulting space. Um, and yeah, Mandy, where can people find you? So if they want to hear more and find out more and get on that list. <laughs> yeah, stunningforgood.org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming back on. I can't wait to be at the Nonprofit Consulting Conference with you this year. And uh, we'll definitely have you back on the podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode with Mandy Pierce from Funding for Good. I love all of the tips that she has given to really know when to grow your nonprofit consultancy. And having that strategic plan is so important. So for all of the show notes, again, please check out grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 264. And once again, we are ending our super early bird $200 discount to the Nonprofit Consulting Conference by March 31st. So if you want to jump in and jump in and grab your ticket so you already have it secured, definitely go over to grantratingandfunding.com so you can grab your ticket for the conference. That's happening August 23rd and 24th. And Founded Technologies is a proud title sponsor, as well as grant easy management software, Bloomerang, essential bookkeeping services, and Brains and Brawn. I look forward to seeing you at the Nonprofit Consulting Conference in August, 2023. And as always, if you love this podcast, please do subscribe and make sure you leave a review so we can see all the people who are listening to the podcast and be able to connect with you. Thank you again and I'll see you next week. Bye.